TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What does the future hold for St. Louis and how do we get there? This is Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Talking to cool people doing cool things in this very cool city. Travis Sheridan along with... Along with Michael Calhoun on our show about St. Louis innovation. And speaking of the future of St. Louis and how do we get there, we're going to talk with a couple of organizations. One's a startup that's helping uh, restaurants promote themselves, important in this time, but also helping organizations that are helping to feed those who need help during this time. And then also we're going to talk with an organization that helps people retrain themselves for future careers. So both the future and getting there, Travis. Yeah, I think this show is a a nice mix of uh, resources to help those that are struggling in the midst of the pandemic using technology in which to do that. And then also, uh, you know, job readiness. We're expecting maybe some hiring boom to take place. We'd like that to happen. Uh, There's a big infrastructure plan coming out where there's going to be more jobs created uh, we're going to talk to Launch Code and see how they're preparing people for you know the jobs that are going to exist in the future and the jobs that exist right now. So stay tuned for Launch Code and also Gift a Meal. And uh, we're also going to tell you a little bit about the polling that went awry for the St. Louis mayoral election from a St. Louis startup which claimed to have the most accurate polls out there. And I guess they were pretty accurate up until this mayoral uh, election. Amy Marks-Cores and Charlie Brennan talked with Jim McKelvey, the founder of Invisibly, about that polling. Jim uh, apologized for the, the wrong, the inaccurate polling that came out ahead of time. But more importantly, Travis, he talks about what happened there. As a data scientist, he's digging into the why. Yeah, and you know what's, you know what's great about what we're going to hear from Jim is in a startup, when you make a mistake, it actually helps you make the product even better. So, so that we, so you can know what's going to be better with invisibly going forward, stick around for more, nothing impossible. So you can hear what Jim has to say. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now back to Nothing Impossible on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. St. Louis-based startup Invisibly, which actually began in the advertising business, but then found that its online ads were working as pretty accurate polls, so it was doing that more often and was touting their accuracy, but was not correct on the St. Louis mayor's race. Founder Jim McKelvey joined Amy Marks-Cores and Charlie Brennan on KMOX to explain. Guess who's on the line right now? Jim McKelvey from Invisibly. Jim, you're a stand-up guy to join us today. You were with us yesterday uh, saying that Kara Spencer had a 10-point lead. It didn't turn out that way. Are we going back to the drawing board? Well, I mean, we kind of blew the call. I've been with the data science team this morning, and um, I think we know what happened. Uh, We tried something new this time, and that is we allowed people to answer undecided. And uh, in our previous polls, uh, we never gave them that choice. We forced them to, you know, pick a side. And in this case, there was a large undecided component. Um, and it swung heavily towards Tashara and uh, swung the election. At least that's what our data says. And I, um, I apologize because, you know, like yesterday, I didn't explain the nuance of that because um, our guess was that the undecideds would sort of fall um, in the same proportion that the uh, uh, that the generals did, but it, it didn't happen that way. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a cool thing about being a scientist, you know, is you get the data, and, and sometimes you take the data and make a prediction, and uh, when it's wrong, you actually learn. So, like, when it's, uh, you know, when it's days like these, when I get to call in and go, whoops, um, you know, that's, that's when we really, you know, get to advance the products. So um, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I'm also excited. So the the, 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 the numbers nerd in me is really excited to get in and, you know, yeah. get better. So That's the nature of forecasting is that you make your best prediction, but it could go the other way. That's what makes it a prediction. Yeah, I mean, look, none of this stuff is certain. But you know, the other thing is that uh, the, the invisibly surveys have been so shockingly accurate, but Again, we would we did not begin as a survey company. We have always uh, sort of been amazed at how well these things are working, and we're still figuring out why. So, uh, you know, that work's going to continue, and hopefully, we'll be more accurate in the future. But, um, you know, I think we uh, we had a you know we had a misread, and uh, I'm I'm the guy that sort of runs the organization that had that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely call call in uh and you know say whoops so sorry st louis uh got it wrong so tell us about invisibly it's a company that's been around about three years based in st louis and we are giving people control of their online identities so you basically sell your eyeballs every time you uh, view a piece of content that's supposedly free, and we're going to allow you to take control of that. It's uh, it's still in the early stages, but it's very exciting. Does that just boil down to privacy? People can't track every website you're on? Well, it's, it's more than just privacy. It's actually controlled because you're going to be tracked and scoped and sold and basically turned into a product when you're online. And there's no way to avoid that because that's how we get 
the stuff that we want. But this exchange is being done by people who are not us. They're by, being done by companies. And a lot of times they're doing, being done in ways that are beyond our control and sort of against our interests. So Invisibly just wants to lift the veil and show you basically who you are online and what you and, 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 and ask you, how do you want to be treated? What do you want to do? Interestingly enough, uh, we developed an advertisement unit that had a direct response thing, so you could you know, answer yes or no to a question, and uh, came up with that thing about a year and a half ago, and that has now morphed into this full-fledged uh, polling. This is Jim McKelvey, who also is uh, renovating the old Post-Dispatch building, 900 North Tucker, four square. Is, is that project completed? When, when is that opening up? So it's partially open now. There's some uh-huh. employees in the building, although we're still sort of semi-shut down uh, for in-person work at Square because of COVID. Um, but I toured the facility a couple of weeks ago. It's looking beautiful. We still have a lot of work to do. I mean, it's not open yet, but we're opening sort of from the top down. So the top floors are, are functional and all the systems are good and all the security's in, um, but we're still finishing the lower floor. So if you walk by the post, you'll, it'll look like a construction site. But if you, uh, if you fly by the post, uh, it'll look pretty good. That would be Jim McKelvey. Thanks to Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks, course, for that. Stay tuned. Coming up next, it's St. Louis Startup Gift a Meal with Travis and I on KMOX. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing impossible on KMOX. Let's get into a St. Louis startup. It's Gift a Meal. And joining us is Chief Executive Officer Andrew Glantz. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So tell us about this uh, case study that you have with these two sisters in a coffee shop. Yeah, so Jules and Tracy, the sisters you mentioned, are the owners of Espresso Yourself Coffee and Cafe in St. Louis. Uh, and they are a part of our gift-a-meal program where each time a user takes a photo at one of our partner restaurants or of their takeout, we make a donation to Operation Food Search to give a meal to someone in need. Um, And we did a really cool case study, not just on the social impact where um, they helped us provide over a thousand meals to those in need through the program. uh, But we also just looked at the business impact we've been able to generate for Espresso Yourself. Um, And so they gave us access to their point of sale system so that we could split off the customers that used gift a meal and ones that didn't over 16 months. And after doing that, we were able to see that the customers that used gift a meal just by taking a photo to give a meal, uh, they were actually spending 11% more per check, returning 51% more frequently, and even tipping a few percent more as well. So it was really cool to see the impact uh, from the business perspective of this socially conscious incentive provided through our program. Now, Andrew, before we dig into this a little bit more, why don't we, let's pause for a second, tell our listeners about gift a meal I'm sure they might have seen uh, back when we could go to restaurants more often, the, the mm-hmm. placards and the table tents. Uh, but tell us a little bit about it. Absolutely. So gift a meal is a free mobile app for iPhone or Android. And on the app, you can scroll through a list of our over 250 partner restaurants. And you know, you place your order at the restaurant like normal. And then whenever you get your food, you can take a photo of it on the gift a meal app, whether it's dine in, take out, delivery, etc. Uh, and whenever you take a photo of it, we make a donation to Operation Food Search to give a meal to someone in need. And then you're given the opportunity to share your photo on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as well. And for each platform you share your photo on, we give an additional meal. So if you shared it on Gift a Meal and then Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, that'd be four meals provided just for taking that one picture. Um, and this is all funded by the restaurants paying Gift a Meal to be on the app 
as a mix of uh, marketing and giving back. And so that monthly subscription paid by the restaurants makes this all possible. Um, and so from their ends, they're looking to see how can they spread the word about their restaurants and encourage customers to promote them to their friends. So I can imagine before the pandemic was one set of uh, statistics that you had, and then after was another. What were the changes that you saw as people changed their behavior? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the pandemic has been super tough on the restaurant industry, uh, but one silver lining is that we've really seen a really great trend of people rallying around these local restaurants, the trends of supporting local um, and especially socially conscious local restaurants. Uh, In this case study in particular, we started this case study in October 2019 and ran it through February 2021, so partially before the pandemic and partially during. Um, And what was really promising to see is this isn't just a trend that you're seeing with your eyes, but the data showed that customers were actually becoming better customers on Gift a Meal at Espresso Yourself during the pandemic. So when we looked at tip percentage and total spend and visit frequency, those actually all increased after March 15th, 2020 at Espresso Yourself for Gift a Meal customers. So Gift a Meal customers, uh, their tip percentage rose 22%, total spend rose 18%, and visit frequency grew 9%. And so that was really cool to see that the customers using gift a meal were continuing to support uh, local businesses like Espresso Yourself. Andrew, how important is it? I mean, we think about the, 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 the second, this crisis that we've been going through with, with the pandemic and uh, people have a little bit less money to spend possibly, but they're being more mm-hmm. purposeful with their spending. Are you seeing that uh, as part of this case study and looking at the data a bit closer? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, overall restaurants have had a difficult time in the debt decrease in sales, but when people are looking to allocate their dollars, they're allocating their dollars to support these socially conscious local businesses. And especially a business like Espresso Yourself, where the sisters, Jules and Tracy, uh, they are not just titled co-owners, but they're titled Chief Happiness Junkies number one and Chief Happiness Junkie number two. Uh, they're very just community driven. And so I think when people are really interacting with the ownership of these restaurants and seeing uh, these real people that really care about not just themselves, but the community, that's something that really helps uh, garner a lot of support, um, both whether it's for the owners and then also for the restaurant staff, since there's so many people that are just involved in the restaurant industry in the St. Louis metro area. And talking about that connection on a person-to-person level, what have the sisters, what have the owners of this coffee shop said that their customers have told them face-to-face or through other you know, direct communication uh, avenues? What's been the direct feedback? Yeah, so they've been super positive and upbeat about this. Um, so they said they really like it when they're seeing their guests smiling and taking photos of Gift and Meal when they see those shared out on social media. Um, and it's just been a really positive, uplifting experience. There's no ratings or reviews on Gift and Meal like a Yelp. It's just a positive, uplifting experience for the restaurants. And so that's been something that we have really focused on. And it's exciting. Now, Jules and Tracy opened up a sandwich shop called Sister Sa- Sandwich Shop uh, next door to Espresso Yourself, and it's opened this month. Um, and so we're excited to welcome them on to Gift a Meal as well. Well, this pandemic has also put a lot of strain on some of our uh, nonprofit sector uh, partners mm-hmm. out there, especially the ones that are delivering services uh, like food service. Tell us a little bit about Operation Food Search and how they you know, benefit from a program and a company like Gift a Meal. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so Operation Food Search is doing really amazing work in the community from a policy level, educational level, and the food distribution level. And so the food distribution level was where we try to help out as much as we can. So Operation Food Search gets a lot of food donated to them by Schnucks and Deerbergs, Trader Joe's, community food drives. Uh, and, you know, it's like meat, produce, dairy products, canned goods, all stored up in their big facility. And then they distribute food out to over 200 neighborhood pantries where those in need can actually access it where they live. And so where gift and meal comes in is at the end of every month, we tally up how many photos were taken. And then we make a donation for that number of meals in order to help fund operation food searches, transportation, refrigeration, and labor costs to get that number of meals to all these different neighborhood pantries where people can access it. So last month, we did almost 20,000 meals in need. Um, and in total, we're now above 600,000 total meals provided. Yeah, this kind of reminds me, uh, Travis, of we've covered one example is Global Hack, where not-for-profits who need some sort of technological or non-traditional solution to an issue look to the innovation community. And I'm sure Operation Food Search, uh, Andrew, is thrilled with having this new, new source of expertise and everything for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nice from the monetary perspective because, you know, every month we're making a donation to them that grows as we grow and it doesn't cost them anything. And then it's also about spreading the word about what they're doing, whether it's through promotional materials we show at the restaurants or on the app, we have an impact tab that tells you more information about Operation Food Search, so spreading the word. Um, but then also just in terms of me and their mission and um, destigmatizing hunger and helping everybody understand that anybody could face food insecurity. And then it's all about helping one another in our community. Um, and so everything that we can do to help contribute to their mission uh, is what we want to do. Um, and then we also just have a great relationship with them where when that they're thinking about running different fundraisers in the food space, they contact us and we try to give our advice based off of our experiences or make introductions, things like that. So we have a really positive relationship with Operation Food Search, and they're just an organization that's run the right way. And you're, you're building off of pretty standard, at least now, standard human behavior, which is uh, everybody wanting to be a food photographer or a foodie and taking a snapshot <laughs> of what they're eating and sharing that with, with the rest of the community. Talk a little bit about the history of Gift a Meal and how you really tapped into that that part of the human behavior and human psyche of wanting to share uh, you know, their meals with the right lighting and the right filter with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I founded Gift a Meal when I was still a student at WashU, actually. So I came here from Los Angeles and uh, then I launched Gift a Meal in October 2015, um, and then just kind of went from there, graduated in May 2017, and then went full-time on the business. I came up with the idea originally uh, as a way of, uh, while well, I was looking around and seeing how a lot of people, especially millennials, were looking to support businesses that were giving back, and how the options that were out there for restaurant marketing uh, were more financially based rather than socially conscious. Um, so for instance, things like Groupon or you know, a restaurant paying for Facebook ads or giving discounts and coupons that cut away at their margins when restaurants already have a tough time um, generating a profit. Um, and so I came up with the idea as that kind of mix of socially conscious marketing inspired by models like Tom Shoes or Orby Parker with the buy one, give one models. Um, and then also by like, you know, things like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, where people were looking to post things out on social media. But um, with the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, a lot of millennials were criticized for just posting and not donating. And so I asked myself, 
what if posting and donating could be one and the same? And it's a free way for people to just take a photo. People are taking photos of food all the time already. And what if by doing that, we could build a business model around it to make sure that we can make a donation? So it's something totally free for the users and it's driving a business benefit for the restaurants, which is why they're able to afford marketing dollars to pay for it. So trying to create that win-win-win scenario. Yeah, not just free for the users. It's something they'd be doing already. And th- those examples of like mm-hmm. Tom's shoes or Warby Parker glasses, the um, the ability to make a difference simply by making a choice on something you're doing already can be powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know that's something that we're really looking into. And um, you know, Gift a Meal didn't create that concept from scratch. There's a lot of really great social enterprises out there. We're just connecting that directly to these food photos. Um, and it's been great to just kind of combine these two trends together and see these awesome results that it's able to continually drive behavior and make the users feel good and uh, actually make a difference in the community. Well, and so many small businesses struggle with, you know, uh, in, and the food and the food and beverage side struggle with trying to figure out how to really market their business, right? They're, mm-hmm. They don't have large marketing budgets. Uh, they, they oftentimes don't have internal expertise. And so gift a meal Gift a meal is a, a type of, is a way for them to outsource part of the marketing effort uh, and and tap into uh, again the the activities that that their their customers are already participating in and doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it's a great way for them to get a little bit of extra exposure. You know, they're paying about seventy nine dollars a month to be on the app, but we have forty thousand app users. And so it's getting exposure to those users. And then when we've seen like with this Espresso Yourself case study, that those users become more loyal to the brands when they engage in the socially conscious experience. Uh, and then they're sharing out on social media pictures from the restaurant. And so they get it's their friends involved and starts this whole cycle where they could help drive more traffic to the restaurant and get them more customers. And then also just have a really easy way for the restaurants to get back. Because a lot of the restaurants are busy. Like these restaurant owners are sometimes in the kitchen and you know they uh, don't have a lot of time to spend on the marketing side of things. And so when they can just kind of plug and play gift and meal into it um, and check off those boxes and build it into their brand, um, it's something that they've been a really big fan of. We're talking with Andrew Glantz, who's the CEO of gift a meal And you mentioned, Andrew, how you came to St. Louis through Los Angeles. Why would mm-hmm. you say that gift a meal has stayed in St. Louis? What's been the benefit of growing this here? And how have you been embraced by the St. Louis community? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. The embracement of the St. Louis community is why I'm here. I mean, everybody uh, has been so kind and supportive, whether it's giving mentorship and advice to a young entrepreneur like myself, uh, making introductions, um, or, you know, just downloading the app and using it and um, all that. So it's just been such a supportive community. The entrepreneurial ecosystem in St. Louis has skyrocketed in the time that I've been here. Um, with everything going on at Cortex, Tech Artista, T-Rex, downtown, you know, there's all of these different spaces and communities, um, the I-10, Arch Brands, Capital Innovators that are so supportive for entrepreneurs, it really makes it a great spot to be. Um, and when you're looking at the top entrepreneurial ecosystems in the country, um, a lot of them are also, St. Louis is one of them, first off, but also the other ones, a lot of them are really expensive places to be, like Silicon Valley. Um, and so from running a startup where you have to be very lean with your spending, it's a lot less expensive to run a business in St. Louis. And uh, frankly, we wouldn't have been able to have the dollars to do what we've been able to build um, in St. Louis anywhere else. Um, so both from the cost standpoint, 
the support standpoint, the introductions, the ecosystem to make this thrive. And then also, you know, my personal happiness is that I enjoy St. Louis and uh, <laughs> so uh, I enjoy being here. Um, and that doesn't hurt that uh, my girlfriend is from Kirkwood originally as well. So that holds me here too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, many, many reasons that I love St. Louis. Well, and we know that you partnered, I think it was just recently with one of the St. Louis uh, favorite brands of restaurant, Lion's Choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that makes everybody quite pleased. Uh, and take hungry. those nice pictures. Yeah, pleased and hungry, hungry to take pictures of those roast beef sandwiches. Uh, Andrew, before we let you go, what is next for Gift a Meal? Yeah, so you, you mentioned the Lion's Choice partnership. So they have 32 locations, 27 in St. Louis and five in Kansas City. And so this is our next market that we're looking at is building out in Kansas City around those Lion's Choice locations. And so we're looking to expand it to Kansas City and take, we're continuing to grow in St. Louis and we're going to be headquartered here as we grow. But we're looking to see how can we take what we've done here, build it out into new cities and eventually scale Gifted Meal nationwide. So it's not the hundreds of thousands of meals that we're donating. It's hundreds of millions. So that's what's next. Well, we'll follow it and can't wait to hear about it. Andrew Glantz, the CEO of Gift a Meal. Where can people go to participate or what app do they download to find out about a restaurant near them? If you're on an iPhone, go to the App Store, search Gift a Meal, download the app for free. Android device, go to the Play Store, search Gift a Meal, download the app for free. Or you can just go to giftameal.com to learn some more information. And if there's a restaurant owner listening to this, you can uh, sign up at giftameal.com slash join. Um, or for anybody listening, if you have any questions, comments, criticism, feel free to reach out to me personally at andrew at giftameal.com. Great. Andrew Glantz, CEO of Gift Meal. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible, St. Louis Innovation, right after this. St. Louis Innovation with Michael and Travis. Nothing Impossible on KMOX. All right, welcome back in to Nothing Impossible. Uh, Michael and I get to talk to cool people doing cool things all throughout the region. And this next guest is no exception. Jeff Mazur from Launch Code. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great, Travis. How about you? Doing well. Uh, I mean, Launch Code has been around six, seven years now. What's the what's the age of Launch Code? Yeah, it'll be uh, eight years this fall that Launch Code has been in existence. Changed a lot over those eight years, but it was uh, late in the year in 2013 when Jim McKelvey came up with the idea along with some friends, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. I can remember yeah, when so- that started. It was at, I believe, Lab 1500 on Washington Avenue. That's yeah. yeah. That's a uh, that's even prior to my history. So you, you're <laughs> teaching me a lesson here. <laughs> and the way that he went out there and hit the street to get these major companies like Mastercard and Boeing and Panera to um, to throw out their HR processes was pretty Indeed. incredible at the time. Yeah, think about new ways of doing things. We've tried to maintain that ethos uh, ever since then. So a lot has changed, but some things have stayed very much the same. So speaking of things that are changing. Give us a, like, what's, what's top of mind for you right now with launch code as, as it's, uh, you know, moving out of pandemic mode, maybe back into uh, in-person mode give us the lay of the land. Yeah, sure. Well, as always, one of the things that we've tried to maintain consistent about uh, over the course of COVID for the last year plus now was making sure that we maintain the same level of quality and same frequency and accessibility of our learning programs. So, Uh, We were really excited to graduate a great group uh, here in St. Louis of 85 graduates last Monday. 
And we're right in the heart of uh, recruitment for the next upcoming LC 101 in St. Louis. Uh, applications are open for just about another week now till April 16th for a class that starts in mid-May. So uh, as usual, we've got hundreds of applicants for that class, but we're always looking for people who are interested in learning job-focused skills in tech. And if you're that person, you should check it out, launchcode.org slash learn. Applications are in St. Louis open for another few days now. Well, how has LaunchCode had to adapt in the midst of the pandemic? Sure. Well, like I think like most organizations that are doing some sort of uh, provision of education or other learning services, we had to adapt from a world in which we were typically bringing people together for six hours a week in an in-person setting and move all of that uh, interaction into a remote and virtual realm. And, and so, you know, the, the, the tough one was the class that was in session, right, on May... 13 or March 13th of last year when people had enrolled in the program and were and were a few uh, weeks into the class with the expectation that it would be an in-person program and you had to move it all over in a matter of days to a fully remote that's a jarring uh, thing and change for people uh, but in the the classes that uh, succeeded that when we could recruit people at the front end knowing that it was going to be a remote program where people could have that expectation at the outset we were really able to navigate most of those difficulties. Now, we made some other fine-tuning adjustments. We lengthened our core program from 20 weeks in the typical deployment scenario to 25 weeks in this remote scenario, just because we saw through that first experience that people needed a little more time to get acclimated to the learning. It, uh, people didn't pick it up quite as quickly without sitting in the same room with their TA uh, and with their fellow learners. So. Uh, we tried to adapt, and that's been very much a part of the launch code uh, model over the years. Has been uh, try, fail, trial and error, try other stuff, and where we see uh, opportunities for improvement, make those tweaks quickly and operationalize them so we can do it a little bit better the next time. And I think uh, you know we've launched a number of classes since then over the course of this pandemic, all of which have been virtual. And, and I think we we've learned a lot in the course of doing that. There will be. I think going forward, uh, always likely some entirely virtual launch code programming from here forward. We, we are anxious to get back uh, when we can do it safely and healthily to an in-person environment because there's just so much more speed to the learning. There's so much, it's so much easier to build the community in an in-person setting when you're looking over someone's shoulder and when you're sitting at the same table uh, six hours a week. But we learned a lot in the meantime, and I think we were able to do this without losing a lot of the value that we would typically providing, be providing in an in-person program. So it was uh, not something I'd, I'd want to do again. I'm, I'm done with <laughs> pandemics for a while, but I, I think we answered the bell. Yeah, and I can imagine uh, people having to adjust to that when they're already trying to learn something that might be challenging. Uh, and can you introduce us, Jeff Mazur from Launch Code, into the, the different ways that Launch Code helps people get to that career goal at whether it's they're coming in they've got no skills and they've got to learn from scratch or they may have some skills they may need a refresh or a new language or even they may have the skills they just need the match and uh, the specific you know code pairing or they just need the match with the job and people can jump in at those those different points kind of take us through the spectrum of launch code yeah, sure. So if you're someone who has learned skills and you have what amount to job job ready skills in software development, uh, there's a pathway that exists in launch code where you come in, we screen you, we interview, we give you some tests, make sure that you have a level of readiness that we think reflects what's needed in the hiring realm. And then we'll start to connect you to employers. And that's a very uh, potentially fast way to take these skills that you have and bootstrap those into 
a real career path job. But um, there's, you know, that's certainly, I think, a less common scenario. Uh, oftentimes, people do need uh, to learn the skills on the front end because most of the pathways uh, by which you learn these skills are not all that easy to get into uh, in the rest of the world, be it uh, if they're coming through a four-year degree program or through a um, a, a costly boot camp, and so uh, a lot of the people do come in through Launch Code through a program like LC One Hundred One, you know, a free twenty-five week course, or a program like Coder Girl, a free uh, twenty-six or forty-six week course, depending on what skill you're learning, and develop those skills for free. Um, then move to a component of the work where you're polishing your job readiness on other fronts, making sure the technical resume is in order, making sure you're really good at doing whiteboard coding that you might have to do in an interview making sure you have a portfolio project that is really robust and that demonstrates the skills that you've learned because you probably don't have that typical credential that you want to show an employer. Um, building all those pieces uh, and then being ready to go out into the world, sit with one of our employer partners for interviews, talk to them about open roles, and hopefully get an opportunity to step into that role, be it uh, through a direct job placement or sometimes through a, an apprenticeship. Uh, or some other mechanism that allows you to go in and start putting those skills to work and demonstrating your value to the employer. Uh, so, you know, our, we view ourselves as existing to fill many of those gaps, whether it's that connectivity to employment, whether it's the skill development, whether it's the job readiness polishing. And, and for, many of, uh, for many of it, or for many folks, all of these things are a part of it. Uh, but there's this other more amorphous component, which really is about people's willingness to believe that they be, that they belong in the space. And I think among all these things uh, that are tangible that we provide, sometimes the most important one is just uh, helping people realize that this world that seems uh, very scary or foreign or, or perhaps something that they're not really ready for actually is a place that they can step into and succeed and feel uh, comfortable and make it a part of their lives. And, and that, you know, brings me to, uh, we talked about these graduations a moment ago, but um, one of the graduates in that Northwest Arkansas graduation said, uh, my whole life, I saw tech as something other people did. And, and that was her frame for thinking about technology and technology careers. And it wasn't until someone gave her an opportunity at very low risk to her because it was free and because it was accessible that she could start to, to change the way she thought about herself and the way she fit into that world. And so I never want to give short shrift to that piece of what we do because that, uh, that comfort element and that uh, giving people a place and an entry point where they belong is, I think, every bit as important as the technical skilling. And Jeff, how have employers responded to Launch Code? Like you said, Launch Code has changed over its nearly eight years uh, of existence. Uh, how are employers interfacing with the organization now? Yeah, I think that one of the great things, particularly in St. Louis, where we have the bulk of our history, is that uh, whereas in the early going, there very much had to be a conversation with employers about um, the lack of a credential, perhaps, right? Hey, this person doesn't have a college degree, or this person doesn't have formal software engineering training, um, but we'd have to talk through that. I think the reality today is, uh, and it's not universal, of course, but for the vast majority of employers working in St. Louis, they see now Launch Code as a credential in and of itself, right? So seven, eight years of doing this work has built a currency to help employers know and understand uh, what the value is of a technical education through Launch Code in a way that they can account for as they bring people into their organization and do hiring. And so uh, I think that's maybe a primary way that, that this was very much a, an oddball thing in 2014 that employers were trying to think about how to integrate into their hiring practice, but now 
I think there's very much uh, an expectation and a realization that, okay, this person is a launch code graduate. I know what that means in terms of skill level, in terms of readiness, in terms of what they're going to bring to the table, uh, which is a, a powerful piece of this, right? It's not a formal credential, but it's an informal credential in a way that um, provides good visibility to what all this stuff means for the participant and graduate and for the employer. Uh, and that's a really, really powerful part of making the ends match up so that people who have a good skill fit for a job can actually connect to that job. Uh, I think there are other parts as well. We've certainly tried to adopt and adapt uh, different models, uh, business models with regard to how we interface with employers over the years to, to finally land on one, I think, you know, probably three and a half years ago that has really served us well in terms of our um, business model. And, and that's been important too, because that means we've been able to uh, create sustainability and a sustainable revenue stream that's allowed us to serve more people in turn serve more employers that in turn uh, allows us to create more sustainability. So um, those are the key changes where, where we went from a thing that was very experimental to something now that's much more predictable and much more well-known to the employers who are working with us. And Jeff, as uh, people are dealing with the giant switch to virtual in society, or maybe they're dealing with a transformation in terms of their career, there's a virtual tech transformation summit that's coming up. That's right. Thanks, Michael. This is uh, something a little bit new that we've uh, done this year and really excited to be working with uh, some great sponsors, Centene, MasterCard, uh, VML, YNR, uh, to do a, a summit, a virtual summit that is intended to bring a lot of uh, technology industry leaders together, along with some government leaders, uh, along with just some uh, sort of technology gurus and hiring gurus uh, to talk about several different phases and aspects of the idea of building a tech workforce. So talking about uh, cutting edge ways to do recruiting and hiring, uh, talking about how employers are using custom talent solutions to really uh, chip away at skill gaps or uh, technology gaps that they have within their organizations, uh, and, and also talking about supporting and ongoing training uh, existing employees in your tech workforce in order to help them grow and, and really manage and maintain a workforce that's going to help you and your business. So um, we've got a, a bunch of great panels across the course of the day. We've got, you know, chief technology officers from Northwestern Mutual and from VML YNR. We've got uh, chief innovation officer from Army Future Command. We've got leaders from Amazon Web Services and and high-level software leaders from Emerson and Worldwide Tech. Um, We've got some other great uh, leaders for a panel about fempowering your tech team, really bringing women and embracing women and growing women leadership within your tech team. So folks from Girls for Tech at MasterCard, uh, we've got the Director of Innovation for the City of Philadelphia, who's a fantastic woman who's got um, lots of success stories to tell on this front. So we're really excited about being able to bring uh, uh, people together in a way that is specifically focused on this somewhat niche uh, uh, topic of uh, alternative, innovative, futuristic means of building and growing a tech workforce. So we're excited. It's the first time we've done it, um, but it's uh, it's something that we think is going to be worthwhile. It's going to have lots of opportunities to share uh, learnings from across industry, across the nonprofit space, and across tech teams. So if that's something you're interested in, in checking out, uh, I'd urge you to go and, and check out Launch Code on LinkedIn, and you'll be able to find. Uh, um, information and a way to sign up for that uh, launch code shift tech uh, technology transformation summit. Again, that's April 22nd. So we are excited to bring lots of people to the table for that. Well, Jeff, uh, forgive the 
overly obvious segue, but for, we're going to move from digital transformation to physical transformation, sure. uh, the physical transformation of the launch code space itself. Uh, that's getting a, a facelift and an evolution, isn't it? It is. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, our uh, what, what we've uh, historically referred to as the Launch Code Mentor Center, which uh, proudly sits on Del Mar Boulevard in the city of St. Louis, uh, but between basically uh, uh, Euclid and Bayard streets, um, we we did this campaign that basically ran from from late 2019 uh, to late 2020 and raised just about five million dollars in order to do uh, a renovation and a transformation of that space. Uh, we're thinking of this as our Launch Code Tech Force Center now, and so um, you know a few different things happening there, but. Certainly, and, and I know this will sound odd in this world of uh, the move to virtual, but um, one of the, uh, the things that over the long term will make a big difference in having renovated this space is the expanded capacity in the space to go from uh, typically around 150 learners that it could uh, accommodate for one of our programs to 200 learners. So being able to expand every class by you know, 33% uh, over time will add a lot more capacity to our learning programs and it'll allow a lot more people to come through. Um, but there are also other pieces of this as well um, that really speak to the transform the transformation that the neighborhood is going through. Um, you, you probably have seen, I'm sure you gentlemen have and others uh, among your listeners have probably seen a lot of uh, the discussion of what's been happening along the Del Mar corridor. Um, and in these few blocks alone, really from, from Kings Highway to Taylor, you know, something like $84 million of investment in, in the coming years uh, between uh, residential and commercial and, and other um, transformations that are happening. And, you know, we thought it was really important that um, we continue to be there in this spot and continue to, uh, to fly the flag in this transforming part of the city uh, as a, a flag for openness, as a flag for an entry point for people from all parts of the city, be it Fountain Park or Lewis Place or other places on the north side, um, to really have an access point to this changing community and an access point to learning that can open the door to new careers for them. So, um, you know, there are very um, practical parts of that project that are about expanding the space, and there are very philosophical parts of that project that are about maintaining this presence. We believe that construction is going to get started this month in April. And that by the time uh, Thanksgiving rolls around, we'll have a beautiful new renovated building there uh, where we can start to uh, do all those things in person again that we once did in person all the time. Well, go to launchcode.org for all of the latest. And of course, stay tuned because we'd love to talk with you again, Jeff. We'd love to do it. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Nothing Impossible. We'll be back next week for more stories of cool people doing cool things in St. Louis. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.